Hi, I'm Will Evans. Welcome to another episode of Ahead of the Field from NFU Mutual. It's one of those subjects that some farming families find difficult, so we're going to try and help by discussing succession planning, why it's important to have those tricky conversations and what the benefits are. We're talking to Millie Fife, who farms in Northamptonshire and has been through the process with her family, to Heather Wildman from Saviour Associates, who specialises in facilitating succession planning, and to Sean McCann, a chartered financial planner from NFU Mutual, who can offer technical advice on the subject. Millie, we'll start with you. Um, tell us about your farm. Thanks, Will. Um, so my husband, Andrew, and I, we live in rural Northamptonshire. And we live on the family farm. We're a mixed separate herd and we have sheep and we have arable crops. And I also run a pork meat box scheme. Um, the family have been on the farm for oh, 50 odd years now. Um, and my husband uh, became a partner about well, probably nearly 10 years ago now. And when we got together and then got married, there was... Um, always the assumption that we would move to the farm and that he would sort of take over um, the family business. Four years ago, um, we made that that change and um, we're now um, on the family farm, which is fantastic. Um, but uh, it's, um, it, it, it's wonderful to, to have that opportunity. And um, really, from a young age, I mean, we're, we're in our mid-30s. We feel very fortunate that we had those conversations early and actually it was um, when I attended a Worshipful Company of Farmers course, we had a, a, a talk about how holding difficult conversations and not long after we came back, uh, after I came back from that course, I sort of uh, basically started the conversation um, because there was always this, the assumption that we would move up to the farm one day, um, but it was never actually sort of pinpointed where we do that. And I'm a very organised person. My husband's quite relaxed compared to me, whereas I like to have a bit of a an idea. Are we going to, you know, uh, start a family in the bungalow that we lived in down, down the lane from the farm? Or actually, were we going to invest our time and energy once we got up to the farm? And so sort of we 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 overcome that hurdle by having that conversation um and then like i said we moved up to the farm four years ah, ago yeah so you're, you're obviously in the 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 process at the moment then um was it was it difficult you mentioned the worshipful company of farmers course and and the conversations and was it hard to um initiate that conversation in the first place about succession um yes no um I'm I'm quite an open person and I just sometimes I just come out with what you know I, I sort of don't bottle things up because actually I think those conversations do need to be had um but at the same time it's my husband's family and although obviously I've married into the the family I've got to be equally sensitive um to yeah. to, to their wishes and wants um but actually I think because Obviously, after we got married, we were talking about having children and, you know, that side of uh, the decision making as as well. It it kind of threw a new element into the conversation. And so uh, by by having that conversation, obviously, there was a huge sense of sense of relief. And yeah. there's there's also there wasn't 
there's not other people involved, i.e. there's not other siblings or other family members that are particularly involved. So therefore, it was a pretty straightforward swap in terms of house moving side of things. But we're now at the stage now where we need to look at future workforce and who who does what, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. Uh, OK. Um, Heather, let's go to you now. Um, tell us what you do to try and help farmers uh, in this area. I will. Uh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I get asked for a, a number of different occasions. Um, sometimes it's families that are already in crisis and wanting to try and mediate and facilitate a conversation through it. And others, it's families that everyone's getting on really, really well, and they just want to have sort of a more formal conversation, because there's some families that think they get on brilliantly, they're very open, very relaxed, and everyone gets a chance to speak. But then I hear young people say, that's great, but we don't actually get anything written down and we don't see change. Mm -hmm. So I suppose I try to put a bit more structure, some formality to it, and make sure we ask the questions that need to be asked. Because just like Millie said, it, it can be difficult depending where you are in the family, you know, whether you are the dreaded daughter in law. Um, or whether, you know, you're the young whippersnapper coming in or, you know, or whether you're the parent and you're feeling a little bit threatened uh, and unsure what's happening or whether, you know, the children aren't showing any interest and you're sort of thinking you want to retire as well. So for some reason, you know, there's a lot of sort of nervousness and um, sort of dancing around the difficult conversation. And what you know, I tend to do is come in, do some structure. I've got a bit of a formality of questionnaires and different things to try and get people thinking about the future, because a lot of people just sort of think, oh, it'll be fine. Um, so uh, that's how I do it. And that can either be in family meetings, uh, Zoom or questionnaires or um, whatever. Yeah. Is it is it often... Um... I suppose if people have asked you to come in, it's it's because they want to get something sorted. But is it often quite tense? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I have to put the big girl pants on sometimes. It can get quite exciting. And um, the temperature around the table uh, can go from uh, hot and uh, stormy to iceberg cold. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes just by a look, uh, let alone words said. Um, yeah, it is. And sometimes it's, 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 it's really hard because it, it, the way some families treat each other are shocking. Um, and that's something I've found, um, you know, often the in-laws get the blame. But we all have different cultures, the way we're brought up and what is normal, acceptable behaviour in one family, how they talk, how they engage, how they speak, how they pay each other um, and everything is, is really nurturing and caring um, and open and, and, and a lovely feeling. And others, it's it's aggressive, it's toxic, it's bullying, it's nasty, it's really caustic language. And it's just seen as normal. Um, they don't see it as anything else until someone else comes in and sort of thinks, hang on, why are you saying that? Um, why are you behaving like that? Um, and, and it often is just the environment we've been brought up in. And I'm not saying one's what right and what's wrong, but one's certainly a lot easier to be involved in than others. Yeah. So, so how did you get into this line of work? I guess I guess you've always been a good at good at communication. Um, I'm really okay. I've had some brilliant jobs and um, I've always worked with people. I love working with people. And my aim personally has always been to make a positive difference. Yeah. And I, I set up on my own. And initially I was doing staff um, uh, recruitment, motivation, team building and leadership programs. And funny enough, succession was very often the skeleton in the room. 
whether it be in the family business and we were trying to recruit staff, communication and things, you know, it was where's the roles and responsibilities. Leadership, you know, it tended to be this frustration, you know, how do I communicate with the family and how do I get respect and everything? So it was kind of accidental. Um, and I went off to Australia um, and, and looked at loads of different people, loads of different ways of how they were doing it and, and brought up my own model. And, and for me, it's really simple when I work with families. What's your vision? Where do you want to be? Where are you now? Where do you want to be? And how are you going to get there? How are you going to communicate it? Who do you need to communicate it to? And who do you need on board? And have you got the right people on board? And how do you get the right people on board? So vision, communication, collaboration. And, and it's kind of, and I suppose also I'm a farming daughter, farmer's sister, um, farmer's wife, the daughter-in-law, now the ex-wife the ex-daughter-in-law, so quite a bit of uh, experience. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, my own family um, have gone through succession and I've seen too much of friends and family and everything as well. And I guess um, I've, I've come in the privileged position that I can get invited into families. I'm a pretty straight, blunt-talking person, um, but I seem to have a way of, of reading people and, and trying to get people to open up. And I know I've had some families that say, gosh, we've never known dad speak like that ever, you mm -hmm. know, um, because one of the normal distraction tactics when you go in a family and it generally is the, the male is the one to know about your pedigree, your family, you know, where you're from, what kind of farm you've got, anything to distract from their family. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. a way of sort of building in the rapport, the trust. Um, I'll often even go for a farm walk with a couple of the people just to sort of tell me about the farm, tell me about your story, and then we can get into what's your fears and everything. Mm. So it's, it's kind of happened accidentally, but um, I am very grateful and really appreciate the privileged position I'm in. And it's, mm. it's great when you can see families work through it. Um, and sometimes it's not always... Uh, a positive outcome in that everyone can live happily ever after. Sometimes the most positive outcome is that there's a shaking of hands and we accept that we're all going to be slightly different and we're better walking away. Hmm. OK, um, Sean, what are uh, the practical things that farming families need to think about when they're looking at succession planning? Well, I think having listened to Heather there, I think the financial side is probably the easiest bit. I think there's probably three key things to have a look at. And the first is tax, because it doesn't really matter when you plan to hand the farm on. The aim should be to do it without paying more tax than you need to. And the good news is there's some really generous tax breaks that help you pass on the farm, whether it's during your lifetime or on death. Um, there's two reliefs called agricultural and business property relief. And if you're successful in getting them, they can basically allow you to hand the farm on free of inheritance tax. But there's quite a few traps to look out for as well. And we see these mainly where farms have diversified into non-farming activities. So if you're letting land or buildings out for non-farming uh, purposes, you just need, you could be affected. So it's worthwhile taking some advice. But also where there's any sort of development potential of land or buildings, that's really important uh, to take advice on as well. Now, if you're planning to hand assets on during your lifetime, the other tax you need to think about is capital gains tax, because a lot of people don't realise that you can pay capital gains tax even when you're handing something on, making a gift. So you don't actually receive any money for it, but giving things away can trigger a tax bill. Again, 
there's some um, really generous tax breaks available that can help you defer that. But again, you know, getting advice is really important. The second thing I'd say as well is, is making sure you've got the right wills and agreements in place. It's really important that all members of the, far, of the family involved in the farm have valid wills. And I'm sure we've all heard stories of farmers dying without a will, often leads to conflict in the family, and that often ends up with the for sale board going up outside the farm. Uh, and if you farm as a family partnership or as a company, really important you have the right agreements in place and all these these two things work together to make sure the farm ends up in, in the right hands at the right time so it's really important to get them right and probably the third thing uh, we talked to farming families about as well is think about the what-ifs because unexpected events can happen to any family at any time obviously making sure the business can continue to function would be the main priority and part of that is sort of anyone involved in the business having powers of attorney in place. Because what that allows to happen is if you are not able to play a part in the business through illness or accident, basically someone can step into your shoes and be able to make decisions if you're unable to. So that can help keep the business going. And also it's really important that um, families have the right income protection and life insurance in place. So if any unexpected illness or tragedy does strike the family, that the, the family and the business are protected. And I think, Millie, you mentioned it earlier about um, planning early. And it's really important from the financial side that you plan early, because the earlier you plan, the more options you've got. That's the thing. Exactly, Sean. Um, for, for me, I, I am a planner. And... One thing that really concerns me is that there is an expectation that I will take on more on the farm. Um, but we need to have that conversation as to when that will take place, because at the moment I take very much a back seat in the in the family farm whilst um, I've taken a career break to have children. And so. I'm sort of seen as a, a, you know, in the background as a supportive role. But actually, if anything was to happen, I'm not 100 percent sure, I, I, you know, the, whether the expectation would be that I would pick up that or whether or not there would be, you know, there, there needs to be that that level of conversation now. Because, like I said before, we we've, we've reached the first stage in terms of getting established on the farm um, but we need to take those next steps and um, and, and have that, those plans in place so that we are um, covered and everyone knows what their role is and our expectations are. Because, I mean, I, I, I used to work for RABI and I had personal experience of uh, seeing um, uh, people having accidents, illnesses, unexpected deaths in the family, and it tears tears families apart I'm sure Heather would say exactly mm -hmm. the same um and, and and so for me that, that makes me even more anxious because I can see it again from from you know as if I'm in a helicopter looking overhead and sort of seeing all the different scenarios and I can see it um but it, it's kind of striking that conversation at the right time because there is a lot of emotion involved it's not just a a business, I think, with a farm, a lot, especially with family farms as well. It's not 
so clear cut. Um, and I suppose because I'm I've come I've I've not been involved in agriculture all my life. Um, you know, I come from a slightly different ang- angle and can see from a, a different business perspective. And I, I equally have my own frustrations in the sense of there's so much potential here um, that actually we we could do a lot more. Um, but again, it, it's having those plans in place, really, so that we can, um, you know, go on to the next stage. And I think that just sums up so many families out there. And I guess your in-laws, you know, probably think it were great. We've got it all sorted because in their mind, I think we've got Millie bringing up the rear. But a lot of people nowadays, we do want a structure. We want to know on the, the beginning of December, I'm going to have an induction. I'm going to start looking at the books and um, what needs to be done for the VAT returns. Where are all the passwords? Where are all the access we need? which a normal corporate company would have, wouldn't they? If you were going to go and work with a company and you knew when someone was going to be coming in to wind down, looking at retirement, there would be a shadowing process. Um, and in agriculture, for some reason, we don't. And and also, it's, it's a very private thing in farming families. We tend to be very protective about our books and our accounts. Sometimes we're maybe not always that confident. Um, and it's it's a, a culture difference. So, so opening up about the financials and everything is quite a big, big step. But there's certainly ways of bringing in what Sean's just said about, you know, the what if scenarios. You know, what if someone didn't come home today or tomorrow? Who would do the cattle passports? Who would do the single farm payments? You know, who's got a mandate and authority? You know, simple things of getting some governance in place and then having a shadowing experience. And where is the office is in someone's house, which, again, can be quite difficult. You know, a lot of people love having an open door policy in their farm where everybody comes in, the sales rep, you know, the the bank manager and other people. We're not from that background. We're very private. We like to know when we're finished. We can close off. So. I think there's an element when the new generation comes in having a separate office that's away from the house. And I think it's also good for the active farmers, you know, men, women. You know, we think we're quite lucky we don't get a commute to work, but therefore we don't switch off either. So having an office that's separate and we designate those hours um, can be really good. And and I think, you know, you can't have these conversations soon enough. And and giving people roles and responsibilities in, in businesses and in families is really key. And I think even, you know, when can you start? If your children are young, Millie, I'm not sure. And I know, Will, you've got your egg business and, and things with the girls. You know, giving people something with roles and responsibilities. They've got the chickens. They've got the feed. They've got the budgets. They collect the eggs. They sell them. They market them. You know, how much profit do they get? How many died? Because that's reality of farming. Um, <laughs> And, and, yes. and giving, de- delegating, and, and I really like when families um, take a bit of the family out and put it like a business. Any um, family who's got a young person, a school leaver coming in, or someone that's finishing college or leaving a job coming into the business, you should have a job description. And you should know what are you there? Look at the business. Where's the skill gaps? What do people enjoy doing? And what are people not needing? Where's the opportunities? And put people in roles that they, you know, they'll flourish, that they're good at um, and that they'll enjoy because you're a long time farming. And um, and that's their department. And then have family meetings uh, once a week, once a month, once a quarter. Everyone reviews their section. And you should also look at when you contract, you know, what is your pay? What's your hours? holidays, 
and, and what perks do you get with the jobs? Because as we know, with some farming families, you know, cash is often the hardest bit, but we have a great lifestyle and we live in a great part of the world. So it's accounting for that, you know. So if you get the house free, you get your council tax, you get your insurance, you get your electric, you get a vehicle, you know, put a figure to that because often if there's a couple of siblings and one person's maybe away and we can often think someone's better over the fence than what they are. So account for it all. And if we can't um, pay money, you know, maybe it can be equivalent in shares into the business or something as well. But for me, anyone that's coming into a business, whether it's the daughter-in-law, a son-in-law, um, you know, a husband, wife, you know, sit down and treat it like a business and have some of these conversations. And, and again, it surprises me how many families have maybe got a bookkeeper or got some really skilled people in the family, but we don't let them near the books and we tell them nothing. You know, why not play to the skills and the passions and the motivators in the family? And, you know, because it can be a wonderful place to work um, in a family farm. Mm. Uh, Sean, um, many farmers don't like the idea of handing over the farm. Uh, and walking away. So the older generation of farmers perhaps have worked all their life for it. They have that, that attachment to it. What are the other options? I mean, handing on the business doesn't have to mean giving away the ownership of all the assets on day one. It can be helpful to think about the management of the business and the ownership of the farm, the separate issues. So the older generation could choose to hand over more of the day-to-day -day management of the business while retaining the ownership of the assets until a later date. And the sort of pace of handover of ownership, you know, will depend on sort of family circumstances. One option uh, favoured by a lot of farming families is to set up a partnership that gives the younger generation a stake in the business. And you can use the partnership agreement to set out whether individual assets are to be partnership property or to be retained by the individual partner. Mm. And then that can be reviewed over time as the situation changes. So it's really important, you know, that it's a misconception to say, move on, you know, pass the business down. I have to give everything away. That isn't the case. It can be phased over time to suit the circumstances. Mm. Millie, is, is that how it's working in your situation? Yeah, um, well, at, my husband was made a partner about 10 years ago um, with his um, in partnership with his dad and his uncle. Um, his dad's in his 70s, his uncle's in his 80s. Um, and for them, they, they only know farming. Um, so in terms of retirement, I don't think that you know that that's that's what they do and that's what they will always do um and although you know they're now easing off in terms of the tasks and responsibilities that they can actually manage um the next um challenge that we face as a as a family is bringing somebody else in um because my boys are only two and one um so <laughs> they're not going to be doing um, much in terms of uh, helping on the farm. I think next year, maybe lambing time, they might be up to uh, bottle feeding cade lambs, but uh, um, that's sort of as much as it is. But um, I worry my husband works very, very long hours. He's on his own a lot of the time. And actually our family um, 
really suffers for that. I, I suffer because I'm on my own so much with two very young children. Um, but equally, my husband misses out on so much. And we also don't have time to invest in our relationship as well. We're, you know, we're like ships in the night. And, and really, it's trying to get everyone on the same page in terms of accepting that actually we do need to bring somebody in part time, whether that be as a partner or whether that means that we just have a farm worker that is there to do the jobs that, you know, the the, the day to day jobs like feeding and bedding and things. Well, you know, at the moment we're trying to get combining done. Um, and so obviously that's long hours and getting the the straw baled and bales stacked up and in and you know it, it's 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 long hours and I you know we don't see each other so every, everybody suffers really in the sense that there needs to be an extra pair of hands somewhere but it, it you know that takes time to find the right person and get them on board get them yeah. to know the machinery that we're using and you know the way that things work so you know it, it it's a big thing as well because I'm not entirely sure the family have recruited anybody before. Um, so, you know, so uh, it's kind of like very alien that we'd bring somebody else into it. So it, at the moment, I just can't see it being sustainable. So, you know, it it it's fine. It works. But if something goes wrong and, you know, someone falls ill or there's an accident or whatever it is, um, you know, I lose my marbles because, <laughs> you know, I've been with, been with the children far too long. And, you know, I've got my own business that I run as well outside of the farm um, with my marketing business. So, you know, I'm, I've got my own enterprise in that respect. So, you know, it, it, something's got to give somewhere. Um, and, and you know, uh, Heather's advice and, uh, you know, everything she's been saying really rings true and you know it just makes perfect sense in my head but it, it is just trying to have everyone on the same page um because we all want the same things and you know we want to go the same way we want the farm to do well and we want everyone to um be happy and healthy and you know we want to, the farm to turn a profit each year but how how do we achieve that when we haven't got the support that we need in terms of I think of, it's um, it's a difficult thing you know because going old none of us want to admit we're going old do we and, mm -hmm. and that we can't do the job and, and farming it, it's in your blood isn't it and it's in your genes and farmers you know there's nothing worse than a retired farmer because they're dead and for tax you never want to say you're retired I'm sure Sean will have something like that you know for their you know there isn't really the incentive but there's a there's a great deal of you know pride in still being an active farmer and when I work with a lot of farming families you know I say what's your aspiration and you know a lot of men and women they just want to be involved they want to have a purpose they want to be able to get up in the morning whether it be going checking some sheep checking some calves and cattle get the dog in the pick up the motorbike and um, gophering gophering is really important going for this going for that go to the market and you know when the gopher's not there you realize how much they did um so it's been respectful of that knowledge and then mentoring and coaching. And, and I think you're right, Millie, you know, when you're the active farmer, male, female, whichever you are, you're often so busy, that, you know, the, the, the senior member could be a great coach and mentor for a part-time staff, casual member of staff coming in or even encouraging the, the grandchildren going forward as well. Um, but it, 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 it's, 
some people want to retire and are ready to transition. They've got other interests, they've got other hobbies, and they're really keen to move on. And others, they will hang on to it by the skin of their teeth. And, and I don't think there's a right or wrong. Everyone's individual on that. It's just as long as we know and we talk about that and we respect the needs and desires of everyone going forward. Because um, some people, you know, it, it's tragic. I've got some clients I work with and they, they, you know, I keep saying, do you want to get killed in those bull beef? Um, you know, so why are you in there? Why are you doing that? And he says, well, you know, what would be wrong if it happened? And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, they, they really that's the way they want to end it, acting, living and breathing and being a farmer. And um, yeah, but it, it is quite hard if also they're wanting to retire and the next generation aren't coming forward. And that's where I think there's a really, really good role for a lot of these contract farmers um, you know, share farming arrangements. And there's a lot of great initiatives coming forward now that maybe fills that gap a little bit, particularly for you, Millie, till your little farmers are ready to be big farmers as well, giving someone a foot in the door going forward. Sean, um, just want to bring you back in now. Um, often uh, in farming families, only one or maybe two from the younger generation want to take over the reins of the family farm. How can parents be fair to their other children? Well, I think it's completely natural to want to be fair to all your children. Yeah. But I think in the farming context, fair doesn't always have to mean equal because there could have been very different levels of involvement in the farm over time. But there is a sort of range of options you can use to provide for those children that aren't involved in the business. And obviously, the most simple one is passing on non-farming assets, whether that's property or investments you've built up off the farm. We've, all, we've seen the situation where each of the children are giving, given a part share of the freehold of the farm, and those non-farming children receive a rent from the, the farming child. There's also some other things you can do. What we do a lot for some of our farming customers is they set up what are called uh, whole-of-life policies that will pay out when they die, when they die 85 or 105. We know it's going to pay out. Um, and we write those in trust to the non-farming children, and that gives them a lump sum when the parent passes on. And we see a lot of farmers as well continuing to pay money to their pension fund to get some help from the tax man with that, because any money left in the pension fund when they die can normally be left free of inheritance tax and non-farming children as well. So we've got farming customers who keep on paying in some of them with no intention of ever taking the money out. They're just using it as a, a tax-efficient way to build up a fund for non-farming children. And obviously the things you've got to be conscious of with pensions and any other sort of investments, obviously the tax benefits depend on your circumstances and might change. And obviously the values can fluctuate and you know, in some situations you can get about less than you invest. But there's plenty of options and there isn't one right answer. So it's probably you know, sitting down and looking at your options and weighing up what best would work for your family. Heather, um, without wanting to focus on, on negatives and the dire consequences, uh, what are issues that arise if farming families don't plan for the future and communicate with each other properly? So I think there's a few managing expectations. Um, you know, what is your expectation of what the future is going to look like? Um, some families can live very, very frugally. And, you know, it used mm -hmm. to be an average farm 
an average farmer could make money. And it is now, you know, becoming very difficult to generate income. You know, even really, really good farmers and great land can have difficult years. So I think it's managing expectations of what the farm can deliver, um, income-wise, salary-wise, um, because some people have some pretty um, off offline uh, expectations of what they think they can get. So managing expectations, you know, what income do we want? Can the farm generate that? Um, be honest about the debt as well. You know, is there significant debt within the business? You know, some people think they're going to inherit the farm. It's all going to be great, but not realizing, you know, the reality of what the farm's going to do. Um, the lifestyle as well, that's where it can fall um, really big in families falling out. You know, where are we all going to live? How are we going to live? What time off do we get? You know, for some reason, farmers, they just keep building on top of each other, uh, you know, building a little cottage in the yard, converting another, you know, shed or everything. And lo and behold, we've got maybe three or four families all living, you know, from window to window, seeing everything that comes in and goes out. And, you know, as much as we love each other, you know, we do like a bit of privacy going forward, you know. So, you know, for me, separate living and outside of each other is, is a really key thing as well. Um Care home costs, you know, can be another thing that families can really trip up on as well. And it's great that Sean's mentioned wills and power of attorneys. You know, have you got a will and a power of attorney? Are they up to date? Are they signed? Do we know where they are? Um, but also if someone is ill, you know, what happens if they're a partner in the business and there's care home costs and everything going forward and who's going to be responsible to look after them? Um, the other thing is some families, you know, there's an assumption that it'll go to a child, whichever child, and the other kids have never been asked. And I think sitting down and sort of saying, well, you know, what's your thoughts? What would you like? What's your fears? What's your hopes? Because some children, they just want a little bit of home, mm -hmm. you know, so whether there's a, a field or a woodland area or something like that, that, you know, that isn't going to uh, impact or uh, inconvenience the main farming area that they could develop or grow and do something on as well um, or build a house or, or something like that. Um, what else is but it and oh, the, the you know, the assumption for some reason, I don't know what it is. And um, there was a real spit maybe three months into COVID. Um, of, and, and I was I was literally horrified of families. Um, one child had been working maybe on the farm for 20 odd years and another child had come in and a partnership and then things been sold out between with underneath them or farms been split up and you know they weren't a partnership and they've worked for 20 30 years and have got nothing for all that time and and, and fallouts and everything as well so i think for me everything written down as well review it keep it business-like have agendas um, have minutes. Minutes are really, really important as well. So to say, you know, you weren't going to get paid much, you were just going to get a pocket money because the farm was going to be yours. Make sure it's all written down um, because there are case, um, solicitor cases and everything of this coming to light now. Um, and yeah, and, and, and I think managing expectations of what the business can actually generate and pay for. And just because it's a small business doesn't mean more families can't live off it. Or just because it's a big business doesn't mean it can sustain lots. You know, um, it, it, it amazes me how innovative some families can be in diversification, you know, working off farm to give you the income and lifestyle you want, but still living in that beautiful area and having, you know, the lifestyle that farming can give.
Okay. Um, in conclusion, then, let's start to wrap things up. Millie, um, what does the future hold for you and your family? If we, if we do another podcast in five years' time, uh, where are you going to be? How, how will you keep addressing these difficult issues? <laughs> well, in, in five years' time, the children will be at school. So they're going to have all this free time. Ah, well, my, my youngest has started full-time school today. So, uh, yeah, we, 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 suddenly um, we can start having an uninterrupted conversation again. Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. Well, this is the thing. Um, you know, between now and five years, really, we need to start getting a lot of the plans in place, really, because, as, as I said, I'm going to have more time um, to help actively farming with my husband um we will hopefully have somebody um that is either part-time or full-time um supporting us on the farm um that's the only way i can see it really and i you know i want to remain positive about things because you know we're, we we want to have a certain lifestyle where you know we do spend time with the children we are able to go away um or you know go and see friends and and uh and have a social life we don't live to farm if you know what I mean although you know we live and breathe farming it's not everything every day and all encompassing that we do have outside interests as well um and and it, it's like you know we want to live the dream you know we want to <laughs> we want <laughs> to be able to in, enjoy our lives and yeah. and have a successful farm business as well and you know if, uh, obviously bring the children up on the farm at the moment, I mean, they're absolutely tractor mad. They they adore tractor Ted. Um, they love being around the animals, and you know that's fantastic. And it's a wonderful, wonderful environment to bring children up because they they have so much of a responsibility from such a young age, um, and and such a confidence as well. So you know that that that's great. So you know if if they want to become more involved in the future, then 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 that's great. But if they don't, that's equally fine. You know I don't think there's a kind of rite of passage that they have to. Um, but um, you know it, it it's it's having those plans in place so that um, we we can um, be you know work in harmony as as a family and as a family business because. It, you know, otherwise I'll probably invest my time more into my own business or, you know, that, 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 like I said before, there's a lot of opportunity on the farm, whether it be diversification. I've got ideas about, you know, converting buildings into holiday lets and, um, you know, expanding my pork meat box scheme as well. So, you know, there's lots of different avenues that I think for me personally, um, but equally, my husband's really embracing technology and looking at different ways of cultivating and um, looking at well, he, he does a lot of AI work on the farm. We don't we don't tend to use a stock bull anymore. So, you know, the, the, it's it's really exciting. The future is really exciting. And it's just wanting to kind of get everything tied up so that we've not got anything hanging over us really that everyone knows what's going on we're on the same page um and you know we can all sit around the christmas dinner table and, <laughs> and be civil with each other because <laughs> it's generally always me that cooks now so uh, um yeah everyone bundles around our house so uh yeah it'd be nice to be able to continue that trend so um, harmony, yeah harmony around the christmas dinner yeah. table so that's a thing indeed. Um, Sean, uh, what are the key questions then that, that families should discuss when planning for succession? Yeah, I think Heather mentioned it earlier on. I think 
the most important thing really is the whole family involved in the discussion. So what you see quite often is mum and dad sort of decide between themselves or they assume they know what other family members want to happen. Mm -hmm. I think everyone, even those not directly involved in the farm, should be part of the discussion. I think probably, yeah, there's probably five key questions. First one is, what's the longer term direction of the business? What role is each family member going to play now and in the future? What development skills or experience do the younger generation need? Also, we talked a bit about it earlier, about how the assets are to be owned in the short, medium and long term, to give some certainty. And also, what provisions will be made for those not involved in the business? And I also think it's equally as important that you don't make your plan, put it away in a drawer and never think about it again. <laughs> Yeah. Because situations and families change. Yeah. And it's important to, to revisit the plan, I think, at least annually, because that's what you do with any other business plan, really. Mm. OK. Uh, Heather, then, let's let's finish with you. Um, what are the three key pieces of advice for farming families on the subject of succession planning? Um, I think for me, COVID has really highlighted um, what's important and what isn't important in our lives. And, and I think the importance of taking time off, switching off, getting time away from the business and really looking at what's important. And I've got a couple of families that once a year, they have a weekend away and they do a strategy. And so they go to a nice hotel and they have a really fun time, but they review what they've done in the year and what they're going to do going forward. And to talk as a family, what are we going to achieve this year so we all get progress and move forward and everything as well. So I think time off and looking down on your business, because so many times we are so busy, so stressed that, you know, we forget what we're doing it all for. And, and are we working smart or are we just working really, really hard? Because with farming, there is always something to do. And I think that comes to that work-life balance, um, Millie, which is so important. And, you know, we can just fry our heads. Some people are happy working, working, working. And other times, you know, we do need to get away to rest. Um, so I think time off is, is definitely a bit of advice. Um, and, and what are you doing it all for? One thing I start with a lot of my young farmers and families is sort of saying, you know, when do you want to retire? What do you want to live on? What's it all for? We're only here once. Let's have a good time. And let's enjoy what we're doing. And are we enjoying what we're doing? And are we getting out of it? You know, that feeling of purpose and value and, and, and satisfaction at the end of the day. And if not, why are we doing it? So, you know, and, and I do do an end budget. You know, what do you need to live on at the when you're retired? And, and some guys say, oh, Heather, I'd struggle to spend 6000 a year. And I'm thinking, good God, how much is your council tax? You know, and I think, like, what's council tax? And then I've got other families that say, wow. Oh, you know, I'm going to have worked hard. I want about 50, 75 grand a year. Um, and it's, you know, is is what you're doing going to give you the, the lifestyle and everything that you want? And, and it's not all about a lot of money, but for some people it is. And, you know, if you've got to live independently from the farm, so you haven't got your dog food, you haven't got your vehicles, your insurance, your council tax, your heating, your oil, you know, it is surprising, actually, how much you might need. So the sooner you start, and as Sean says, you know, there's lots of policies, insurances, you know, invest off farm. And it might mean that some young people go and work away for 10, 15, 20 years, 
get an income, get a, um, get a good um, sort of savings and everything behind them, buy their own property. And then when they come back into the farm, they can either buy into the farm or they've got something for their retirement afterwards as well. So I think it's thinking a bit further than just I'm going to be a farmer as well. And one thing for me that if, if nobody does anything else from this podcast um, is the how-to manual, because tragically, you know, there's so many, you know, agriculture is one of the most dangerous uh, industries out there. And we keep so much knowledge in our heads you know, whether it be, you know, where the, the passwords are, where the drains are, the stopcocks, you know, where's all that money hidden? Um, but, you know, it's the accountant, the solicitors, the lawyers, the bank managers, the insurance, um, you know, who are they? What are they? Uh, what's their names? Um, passwords for your telephone, passwords for your computer. You know, some families have got them right on the computer uh, or in the little black book in the top drawer but have them somewhere. And, you know, that's one thing I've, when I've been doing my workshops, someone said, Heather, you know, that was the one piece of advice we mm -hmm. took home and I didn't think we'd need it, but tragically something happened to the mother-in-law, you know, because it's generally someone's head. So thinking of a how-to manual um, would be really, really important. Start writing things down because, you know, even with your phone, if you, if you can't get into that, um, it's a nightmare. Um, so, yeah, speak to each other, take time off, enjoy life, you know, because farming it is wonderful, but it can become a bit of a drug. Uh, be really, really open with your family members and be honest, even if you, you know, it's something folk don't want to hear, we can get over it and build build around it if we know rather than that resentment. And because it is awful when families blow up and, and, and generally one of the meetings when I do succession is um, we just want to be able to get on at Christmas and in family meetings, you know, <laughs> you know, so talk. Don't put it off. Start that conversation sooner uh, than later. Uh, and even if it does mean locking dad in the pickup when he's driving to the market so he can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm off to pin my dad down now and ask him to tell me where the money's hidden because <laughs> I've been looking for it for a while. <laughs> uh, um, that was a brilliant discussion, guys. Thank you very much for taking time. I've learned a lot. Uh, I'm sure the listeners will have too. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Will. Cheers. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Will. That's it from this edition of Ahead of the Field. From me, Will Evans, and everyone at NFU Mutual, we wish our listeners and the farming community all the very best.